Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Ben is directly across me. Ben Reichley, fine local businessman, Republican committee person, not a natural-born listener, but he'll give you a couple of seconds to give your good points of view, and he has thoughtfully considered a few opposing viewpoints in the past week. Two eyes, two ears, one mouth. Use those in proportion. There you go. You have a okay. chance for success. Super. All right. Yeah. Edge a little closer to that mic, if you would. And we're glad to say that uh, Mr. R. Thomas is in the studio with us now, chairman of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, president of MECTEC and Diversified Construction. He's one of the big thinkers around here. If you're like me and you have you suffer from thinking small, uh, contact Art. He'll help you. He thinks out of the box. <laughs> He's been thinking out of the boxes since he was about eight years old. Probably built a little dam on the stream in his backyard and then later said, no, wait, 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 wait. If you put a little paddle there, you can make electricity. Did you do that in your yard? What am I supposed to do with that? Good morning, Mark. It's always a pleasure to be here. <laughs> You're supposed to say yes. As a matter of fact, we had a light bulb illuminated in the backyard, so 24-7. All right. Yeah, Art Thomas, just a super uh, great guy. Heading the chamber on the news line now also Bob Garrett, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce uh, joining us, and uh, he's off- awfully informed about a wide range of things and our region. And he also comes out with predictions about what he thought the unemployment would be. So, Bob, we'll start out with you. What did you think the jobless numbers were going to do? Well, uh, I think we got pretty close, but I, I need to respond to that out-of-the-box thinking uh, with my uh, chairman of the board, uh, Art Thomas. Hell, he, he, uh, he built the box. Uh, so, uh, uh, and then he immediately stepped outside of it. So, congratulations on the uh, on that uh, art. Hey, uh, we we hit pretty close. Uh, uh, now, I don't actually do the predictions, uh, Mark. Those are actually done by economists. I just report on what they uh, suggest. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, it feels a little bit like uh, we're, we're in a we're in a pattern now. Uh, we, you know the. The headline is lots of jobs, not enough people flying, unemployment rate, uh, historic lows. Uh, we're, we're creating a lot more jobs than we're filling at this point. So that's the uh, uh, that's the understory or the the, by, the byline of uh, of news in the economy these days. All right. Well, we appreciate that. We'll get some reaction to these jobless numbers. 431,000 jobs created, 3.6% jobless numbers. Very briefly, Ben, your view on this? Yeah, I think we're somewhat in the plateau a little bit, uh, but it's a positive. Uh, here we are, but I just think there's such an undercurrent, uh, what we see with inflation, what we see with the budget that the president just proposed, 5.8 trillion dollars and the priorities there 
boy, there's there's an undercurrent, and I hope the uh, I hope the U.S. economy can withhold the riptide that uh, we might be seeing. But uh, you know, so far, uh, you know, for looking at it, it's a positive. But uh, Bob, let's remember, it seems like these numbers the last couple of years have been almost swag-like, and it's a scientific wild blank guess. So we see them up and down, but you know. We're, we're trying to get back on track, and uh, we, we see some things that are, are far more positive than negative, but the negatives, boy, do stick out. All right, and we'll go to Art. Art, just a brief uh, reaction to what you heard from these jobless numbers. The new numbers are high. You know, we say, oh, we missed a target by 60,000, but we created 431,000 jobs, and now our unemployment's down at 36 we were setting world records before the pandemic, and weren't we at 3.4, maybe? I think we bottomed out at 3.4, so we can't do much better than that. Now, what I haven't heard in the last couple of months is uh, a comparison of how many jobs we lost in March and April of 20 and how many of those we've gained back. It would probably be good to have that tally, maybe for next month if we can, because it seems to be all about participation. Uh, I read in the paper last week that... Uh, all-time low since 1969 for new unemployment claims. We're down around 190 or 180,000 new claims for the week a couple of weeks ago. So we can't do much better. It's all about participation. That's where we got to do better to get, get people back. All right, Bob, you want to introduce our first guest, if you would, please. Okay. Uh, we have uh, standing by Steve Samara, uh, who is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Telephone Association. I think just to set uh, Steve up and uh, let him introduce himself a little bit more about himself and uh, about the Pennsylvania Telephone Association is, I think uh, folks may know, uh, but the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber is a retention and expansion chamber. We are co- almost entirely focused on keeping the businesses we have and growing the ones we have here. How does that fit into this conversation, you might be thinking? How that fits is we we find that uh, when we we're working on this uh, urgency, as we call it, on broadband and high-speed Internet, uh, we find that when we work with our existing cable companies, our existing telephone companies, our uh, IS, uh, ISPs, uh, Internet Service Providers, uh, when we work with them, we really hit the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, and uh, what I'd like for Steve to talk about a little bit is who are those players uh, in the greater Susquehanna Valley? Who are they statewide? And what's coming up uh, where we can work with them and really support an expansion of rural broadband and high-speed Internet? So, Steve, I'll let you take it from there. Hey, thanks very much. Good morning, fellas. Uh, happy to be with you on uh, April Fool's Day. Uh, but a little bit about uh, the Telephone Association. We do represent all of the RLEX. There's a lot of acronyms in this industry, but RLEX is a rural local exchange carrier. It's your traditional landline phone company that you're familiar with. It's been around for 100 years in some cases. So those, those companies range in size from a couple hundred customers to several hundred thousand. Um, they're scattered across the state, as you, as you might imagine. Uh, and so we got uh, we got a wide variety of folks that uh, that are involved in the Pennsylvania Telephone Association, and uh, they are all unique in their own way. But the one thing they well, several things they have in common. But one is, um, I think listeners might be interested in this, is they all adhere to a state law passed back in 2004, um, which required all of these companies to 
build a network that had broadband available to it uh, within 10 business days of a request. And uh, we lose sight of that fact as we're talking about broadband. Uh, there's lots of, uh, lots of money coming down. We can talk about that in a little bit. But uh, there's lots of new and shiny and other alternative providers coming out there. It's a very competitive environment. Uh, but my member company is the only ones that had to adhere to that uh, mandatory broadband deployment. And uh, I can already hear the snickers uh, over the phone lines uh, and out in the ether. But back in 2004, broadband was 1.544 megabits because that was digital subscriber line service, and that was uh, kind of the best you were going to get. Uh, now, obviously, we have uh, fiber optic cable and all kinds of things that will, will give you uh, uh, faster speeds. And my member companies have gone far beyond that 1.544 megabit requirement in uh, wide swaths of the state. Uh, and continue to build at higher and higher speeds as uh, as customer demand customer demand comes about. But uh, those are my guys. Those are the rural local exchange carriers that uh, that serve the various parts of of the Commonwealth, and uh, they are our lex for a reason. They've been given that designation because they serve only rural parts of the Commonwealth. So. Um, that's a little bit about uh, the PTA member companies. And if we're going to have a big conversation about broadband, what do we have to do yet? How much of the state doesn't have broadband yet? Uh, great question. Um, and that is a question that changes um, as you define what broadband is. Uh, broadband, like I said back in 2004, broadband was 1.544 megabits. Then the FCC decided it went to 10. Uh, now the FCC is at 23, and with the new federal funding that's coming down, it's 100 meg uh, down and 20 meg up. So it's uh, a great question. Moving target. And, uh, you know, I would tell you that there are still pockets of Pennsylvania where uh, folks in are very, very rural parts of, of the state, and at the end of the line, as we say, um, are still, at least under Act 183, getting 1.544 megabits, and some of those are getting it uh, through a variety of technologies. Uh, the satellite uh, folks are in the in the space now and doing what they can do to uh, get that speed out to people. I know Elon Musk and his gang is uh, is a very active player, and other satellite providers very active player in uh, in this uh, marketplace. And uh, so we're trying to get that. So it's a, it's a good question, and it really it really rolls into mapping as well. Um, you know, we don't want to misspend money or misallocate money that's coming down, whether it be in a state or a federal program, into areas without knowing, you know, who is truly unserved and true, who is truly underserved, uh, depending on what your definition of broadband is. But there are pockets there where um, folks want more and are getting um, getting something less than they, they think they need to run a business from home or even just get online themselves. Um, but I would, I would challenge folks to uh, uh, look at what's truly unserved and underserved. I think it's a lot fewer um, areas and people, and this is going to be somewhat controversial because there's a lot of folks that want and can't get it will scream, and I understand that. But it's, it's not as big a target as you think it is, quite frankly, and that's, you know, thanks to my member companies. Steve, Art Thomas here with the Chamber. Just following up on Mark's question a little bit, maybe pushing you a little harder. 
Sure. We have, what, 11, 12 million people here in Pennsylvania, so you order a magnitude. How many millions don't have broadband? And geographically, is it a third of the state that doesn't have coverage because of our forests and wildlands? Uh, well, geographically, yeah, there's lots of areas that don't have people in them, Art. So <laughs> if, you look, if you look at a color-drawn-in map, you're probably going to see a lot of areas that say they're unserved or underserved. But, um, you know, the whole argument is where the people are um, and who wants it. Um, if you have a house uh, that's on top of a hill and you're three or four or five miles away from, you know, someone else, you're going to have some issues, um, you know, obviously. And so we're working to... Uh, <clears throat> get to those people. I think that's what some of the state and federal money is is designed to do: is to get to those individuals who, um, you know, don't. You can't make a business case no matter who you are. Uh, you know, my member companies, cable guys, wireless folks. Um, you know, municipalities who want to enter the fray and provide service. Uh, you know, so it, it's it's hard to hard to say. I've I've heard I've heard numbers. I'm not going to attribute any. Uh, um, anything more to them than just numbers that have been out there. Um, but it's, uh, uh, from our perspective, um, you know, we're trying to get to, to all these folks, regardless of where they live. And under Act 183, we have to get there at least at 1.544. We're the only segment of the industry that must adhere to that law. Um, no one else has to do it. So my member companies have to put a network in there that makes that service available at 1.544. All right, with um, this, oops, uh, go ahead, last sentence, Steve, go right ahead. Nope, that's fine, that's fine. With this, we add John Euling to the line. He's a CEO of Just Contrast now. I was th- still think of it as Contrast Communications, but time has moved on without me. They are just called Contrast. It's do IT, data services, voice, phone systems, video surveillance, structure cabling. If you still need cables, he's the, he's the guy to go see. Uh, still uh, thought of as one of the Valley's most forward-thinking companies. And uh, he is a former chair of the chamber as well. So, John, thank you so much for calling in today. We're going to add you to this conversation. Thank you, Mark. Good morning. Really appreciate it. When we talk to either you or Steve, we're going to find out that we have a missed opportunity when it comes to rural broadband in Pennsylvania. What is this missed opportunity? Oh, I, th- I think that's open for interpretation, similar to what Steve just suggested. There, there could be some debate. Uh, I, I think the missed opportunity is some of the experiences we've just had over the last couple of years, where we uh, we leverage the capabilities that already exist and change the culture in terms of how we utilize the broadband. Uh, Steve mentioned 1.54. Voice over IP can exist over 1.54. And, and so 20 years ago, voice over IP was available. The pro- one of the challenges is the capacity and the capabilities because it's not just single use for Internet and broadband. People are just about anything you can think of is connected to broadband. So the expectation, which, which is, and I agree with Steve in so many levels. However, when you think of some of the alternatives that are, which are coming into the area, it's because, and, and those who are, investing, such as Geisinger, investing and donating monies to create some alternatives, is because of the expectation uh, to have significant capacity in areas that are not well populated. Uh, Hospitals, education, government, they they all recognize the the need to have access, um, not just in a place, but to give the people, prioritizing the people, not just the place. 
All right, well, Bob's not on the line anymore, but we know he's yelling at the radio. Ask him how we're going to get this right this year. So we'll ask both of you. We'll start with Steve. Steve, how are we going to get it right this year? <laughs> uh, well, great question. This has been going on, obviously, for a number of years. And quite frankly, we we have some um, serious money trickling down from the federal government through a variety of programs, and most recently the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which uh, allocates $42.5 billion uh, across the country through the National Telecommunications Information Administration. That will trickle down to the states, um, and each state is promised at least a floor of $100 million. Uh, sounds like a big number, but this is an expensive proposition, as, as John will probably tell you, to get, uh, to get these networks built out, especially if you're doing fiber. Um, so we have a new law in Pennsylvania. It sets up the Pennsylvania Broadband Development Authority. Um, and so we're, we're all hopeful. They met uh, last month and we'll meet again in May. And we're all very hopeful that with the state broadband plan and this money coming down uh, from the feds, um, that we have a framework now where we can do a lot of good things and try and get, you know, get to that last mile, get to those areas that uh, really need it, really want it, and get... Uh, get everyone hooked up and it's going to take a lot of work it's going to take accurate maps from the fcc the federal communications commission it's going to take a lot of work at the state level to get it right and uh so i'm I'm hopeful that you know through this new authority and through having a plan and really focused in on this that we um we will have the framework for for something that could uh develop into something that gets uh, gets broadband out to those who really need it john your view on this uh, solution that we have to get it right this time yeah, I'd say we've gotten it right already, but that would be April Fool's. Uh, <laughs> getting it right this time, I think, is the partnership. So the, the industry, whether it's the cable companies or the phone companies, they have a long history of partnering. There's alternatives out there now with Drive and the economic development um, starting in, in Montour. But one of the things that where we're getting it right is the various counties are working together. They're coming together collectively. The, his, the, the industry has uh, a long, long tradition of partnering with competitors so it takes a lot of fiber it takes a lot of wire to produce a wireless connectivity and so one of the things we can do right which is what the chamber is doing is they're partnering with the incumbents as bob mentioned the retention expansion it's helped facilitate the existing partners and companies such as the cable companies the phone companies to expand but they all at the same time open up the partnerships for the alternatives Many of the many of the history behind cable and even the the, wire, the traditional wireline companies included towers and included antennas and included wireless technology in the early days. So I think it's really around the partnership, even with competitors. Well, uh, John, on, on that note, and, and to Steve, uh, this is Ben Reichley. I, I made some notes, but I'm looking at them. So what I'm getting is that there might not be one technology that fits. Pennsylvania or Fitz Missouri or Fitz Montana, but is it one or two or three or a patchwork of technology and some of it might be uh, geographic limitations or you know things to those regards but the, the, the whole bundle of technology is it seems like is going to get a solution to this problem. I, I think you nailed it Ben it, 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 it's, it's a collective it's collecting a collective efforts of multiple technologies, but ultimately we all need to access broadband. And so it's how do you gain that access? There's, you know, there are wire cutters out there or line cutters that say, you know what, the, the millennials, do I even need a wired connection at all? My cell phone has everything I need. 
Uh, and so, you know, so that's part of the mix as well. Well, one of the things, too, with technologies, people realize, and, and we're in this little business called water and sewer infrastructure, So, and subsurface infrastructure does mean something. It's just not roads and bridges. But one of the things with the technologies of those products coming out that, you know, I, I look at security, monitoring for security, monitoring for your water systems, your sewer systems, but the smart cities or smart technologies, broadband allows cities and municipalities, large or small, to take advantage of efficiencies and cost-effective ways that they can uh, serve their communities. That's absolutely right, and I think to Steve's point as well, you know, in, in certain areas, it's not as bad as people think it is. It's setting the expectation that says, not just your internet connections, not just your cable, your traditional television, but think of all these devices you have in your home or your business that are tapping. It's kind of like it's kind of like having a leak in a water pipe down in the basement. It's like, wow, why, why is my water bill so high? Well, there are so many devices within your home or your office that are tapping the internet all day long, and so the expectation is, you know, what you also of what exists, you need to subscribe for more capabilities as well. So there's a little bit of that as well. All right, Steve, we'll give you an additional remark, something to add to our conversation today, and we'll let John say an additional comment, too. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I agree with what uh, what John had to offer. You do need a mix of technologies. I think the legislature recognized that back in 2004 when they set up Act 183, which was we could get there, get to folks with the 1.544 using any technology available. And if you take a look at the grant applicants or loan applicants for federal funding now, you'll, you'll see a, a great variety of folks in the mix, a great variety of technologies. They all have different uh, specifications, limitations in some case. Um, uh, we're not in a position, nor do we uh, stand up front and say ours is better than anyone else's, but um, we are concerned about certainly using this money that's coming down wisely. Um, that's why I said the mapping is important because you need to have a situation where you can uh, make sure you're not overbuilding someone unnecessarily. You know, folks that already have some service from a variety of competitors. So there are challenge processes built into a lot of these programs where you can challenge an application that comes down and um, making sure we're spending the money in the best way we can. But uh, I would also agree with John that, that partnerships between companies and between companies and municipalities and those types of discussions up front saves us a lot of time and effort in some of these challenge processes. And we, you know, my member companies, certainly the cable guys, the wireless folks, all have the managerial and technical and financial expertise to pull off a lot of these builds. Um, and the municipalities that want to be involved, uh, you know, we are we have reached out and continue to reach out to municipalities and other folks um, to help in that regard. So we're looking forward to, as this money continues to come down, Looking forward to strengthening those uh, those partnerships with all the parties to see if we can get uh, get the best bang for the buck. All right, thank you so much, Steve. Thanks for checking in. Very much appreciated. Steve Samaras, president of the Pennsylvania Telephone Association. John, an additional comment, please. Um, in agreement with Steve, and it's the partnership between municipalities and existing companies, the likes of the larger employers, and it's opening up the doors for even small businesses to say. Uh, your workforce doesn't have to be at a specific place to be productive. And so maybe some of the investments of even small companies is to help support their own employees have access to broadband outside the work, the work office. 
Well, John, thank you so much. I want to get you back on the line or in person in the future. We have to talk about uh, the Appalachian Trail and uh, some more ultra-local uh, issues and topics that relate to broadband and connectivity. So please tell Look us. Come, yeah, come back in, especially on a Friday. We'd love to chat with you again. John Euling, CEO of Contrast, uh, formerly Contrast uh, Communications, and uh, they do IT data services and a wide range of other jobs. Quickie break. Come back with our concluding Financial Friday comments in a moment. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, welcome, welcome back. to the Internet. Have a look around. Anything that brain of yours can right, think of. we got 60 seconds to talk art. What is coming up? What is coming up? Hey, everybody. We got our quarterly chairs circle meeting coming up on Tuesday, April 19th. We're going to be out at Oliver's Cigar Lounge from 3 to 4 p.m. So those of you that have gone the extra mile and contributed to chairs circle memberships with us, Feel free to stop out there between 3 and 4 on Tuesday, April 19th. We have a Rise and Shine. It's open for business time, sponsored by our Government Affairs Committee on Friday, April 29th. That'll be between 9 and 10 a.m. at the Susquehanna Valley Country Club. And now you want to listen up. We're going to have our annual meeting and award ceremony on Thursday, May 4th. That's our first annual meeting in person in three years. Three years. May 4th at the Pine Barn Inn. Don't miss it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Art, for coming in. Thanks for your analysis. Uh, really, lots more to talk about these topics when it comes to high-speed Internet and, uh, mm-hmm. and all the work that you're doing around here, too. Always much appreciated. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. And we will be back with an open phones segment and some news headlines on WKOK's On the Mark program. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Uh, Mr. Ben is directly across from me. Fine local business person, co-owner within a company. He's one of the Morbiuses around here that's morphed into a co-owner with hundreds of his uh, closest friends. And uh, let's see, he's a good American citizen. Does not says he doesn't even own a Trump hat, so we're glad he came on board. And let's see, Kevin Hurst, our fabulous 
fabulous producer, doesn't get enough credit. You heard all the uh, comings and goings of that uh, previous segment. He makes it all happen, so we appreciate uh, his help is and he hard the, uh, work. Is he the straw stirring the on-the-mark drink today? I think so, right. Uh, Remember, first it is April Fool's Day, so be careful. <laughs> That's true. Anything can happen. Yeah, and congratulations, buddy. Uh, by the way, our Financial Friday <laughs> segment, we talked about the latest jobless numbers, and we talked about high-speed Internet broadband in Pennsylvania. We still don't have enough of that in Pennsylvania, and I was glad to hear somebody talk about Drive, because they are leading the fight to make sure that rural broadband is happening around here, and Jennifer Wakeman. And we talked a little bit about the great resignation. These are the many folks who have declined to join the workforce. The jobless numbers are in March. Uh, 431,000 jobs restored from the pre-pandemic level. I'm not going to say new jobs. It's obvious that this is an ongoing restoration. There's some new jobs in there, sure, but then some jobs are gone for good. 3.6% is our jobless rate. Our uh, labor participation rate is up slightly, but still not back up to pre-pandemic levels, which it was too low then, and now it's uh, uh, just slowly clawing back to the new, to the old bottom that it was bouncing along the bottom. So maybe you have an um, opinion about this. Uh, the subject lines, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, and President Trump in the Ukraine are the subject lines of the emails we have in front of us, so we'd love to read those out loud to you. Uh, you can call us 1-800-795-9565 and talk about an item. It's an open phones Friday. You can email us at on the market WKOK.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Don't have any uh, texts lined up, but we had quite a few earlier this week, so you can uh, send us a new one. 70236. Include the keyword OTM. On the market is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, so please check them out at sunburymotors.com. We do have some brief news headlines. Tragic shooting in the city of Lebanon. An officer was killed and two officers injured during a shooting while responding to a domestic disturbance. The Lebanon Mayor Sherry Capello said police went to a home in the city around 3.30 p.m. for a disturbance call. An hour later, gunfire broke out and officers radioed they were hit. Capello said in a news conference all three Lebanon City police officers were taken to hospitals. One of them has since died. A second was in critical but stable condition and a third is in stable condition. The suspect, a 34-year-old from Lebanon, was killed in the shooting, according to the mayor. No names being disclosed after that uh, tragic police officer death in Lebanon County. U.S. Senator Pat Toomey met Thursday with the U.S. Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson. Our correspondent Mark Sims is following that. Depending on how he'll vote on Jackson's nomination, but Toomey did say Jackson is smart with an impressive academic and professional background. However, he remains concerned if she could serve as a neutral umpire of the law. Senator Bob Casey has said he supports Jackson's nomination. The Senate is expected to vote on Jackson's confirmation as soon as next week. If confirmed, she would become the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. A new WHTM TV, Emerson College Polling, and The Hill 
poll shows most Pennsylvania voters are undecided in the critical 2022 primary races for Senate and Governor. A poll of 408 Pennsylvania Republican voters show 51% are undecided in the U.S. Senate primary race with David McCormick and Mamet Oz tied at 14%. No other Republican candidates received double digits in the Republican Senate polling. Kathy Barnett, Carla Sands, and Jeff Bartos each received between 4 and 6% in the poll. 73% say Republicans say, well, on another note, and a side note that's stuck in here, it says 73% of those people polled say it is important a candidate lives in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so if you add up the amount that Oz has and McCormick has, those are the, there's the 30%. So 73% say it matters. The ones who don't care, those are the Oz and McCormick supporters right there. Well, it matters in what way? Well, yeah, that's another topic. <laughs> well, we talked about this before. It always counts in the campaign, but it never matters in the election. Plenty of carpetbaggers get elected if you, if you, the, if you want to use the that numbers, term. numbers, though, and you have the governor's numbers also? Oh, yeah, but here they come. In the Republican race for governor, 49% are undecided with Doug Mastriano, who I feel is going to be our next governor, leading at 14%. Lou Barletta is second in the polling at just over 12%, and no other candidates receiving double-digit support. William McSwain, David White, and Joe Gale round out the top five, receiving at least 3%. Melissa Hart, Jake Corman, Charlie Garreau, and Nietzsche Zama each receive less than 3%, but nearly 40 of the voters say they are undecided. And that's the, uh, that, that's the key in both those races, is the large percentage of undecided. And the poll I was looking at, the Emerson poll I saw, had uh, Mastriano at 16%, Barlett at 12.5%, but plus minus 5 in the margin of error. But Again, the the numbers there are the undecided, the large amounts of un, people undecided, and I think we're seeing the lack of efficiency, particularly in the state Republican Party. It's just abysmal uh, that uh, the Republican Party's where they're at. What happened going back a number of years with the uh, the uh, state Supreme Court races. And, uh, you know, the Democrats are a bit better, but not too much better in their state party also when you see uh, what's what's going on. So this is inefficient having all these candidates. You're Very saying. inefficient, okay. but at least the Democrats paired their... Well, of course, basically they have uh, Governor Wolf running again. Uh, basically, uh, we'll see uh, Shapiro, you know, be, be a Wolf candidate uh, his third term. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you only had really two folks wanting to run for U.S. Senate that had some name recognition, Connor Lamb and uh, and Fetterman, but, uh, you know, not very, not overly strong candidates uh, in some ways on either side to a degree, but the lack of the state parties, very interesting, and what will state parties do in the future? Um, I mean, they're almost becoming irrelevant. Well, in the, uh, uh, let's see, let's continue here. President, this is from the same poll in the Democratic primary race for U.S. Senate. John Fetterman holds a significant lead with 33% of our Connor Lamb at 10%. Dr. Kevin Baumlin, oh, who just dropped out of the race, incidentally. Yeah, I was say someone dropped, yeah, he dropped out. Yeah, he dropped out. Malcolm Kenyatta's still in it, but boy, he's getting beat up bad. Anyway, uh, he finished third, uh, respectively, uh, similar to the Republican race. A majority of Democratic voters say they're undecided with 37%. 
5% still weighing in on their choice. Now, I have an opinion about this. Mastriano, I do think he's going to be our next governor, but I don't think he's going to pick up any more supporters. I think the rest of them are going to get the rest of the Republican supporters uh, in the primary. Very tough statewide uh, race. One of the things, if you look at history, if you can put any credence in the history, you look at the last Republican governors. And since going back to Scranton, okay, who was obviously from Wilkes-Barre, Scranton area, but all the Republicans have been Western Pennsylvania. You mean the folks. temporary Scranton or the original one? No, the original, going back in the 60s. So if you look at the Republicans after that, Thornburg, Ridge, you know, you get into that, except when Ridge left for a small uh, segment and um, Lieutenant Governor um, uh, Philadelphia took over for a small time and just lost his name. When Ridge left. Uh, see, um, anyway, elected Republican governors in Pennsylvania have been from Western PA. And the the theory behind that is Democrats in Western PA will vote for their own, their own homies out there well, over Eastern Democrats. That's, Eastern view, PA that's Democrats. true for every statewide candidate. Well, in, in a way, but if you look at the history, though, it's it's come true for, um, and the name was Schweiker. Mark Schweiker took over and did an excellent job in the mine disaster, but elected Republicans have all been, let's say, west of the Susquehanna River. Mastriano's what? Franklin County? Uh, yeah, he's okay. he's down in the Gettysburg and uh, in that area. So uh, Lou Barletta's Eastern Pennsylvania. Yes. And McSwain, where's he from? Philadelphia. Okay, so David White. Philadelphia. Okay, Joe Gale. Look at you go. Uh, Joe, I lost Joe. He's. Uh, we have him on the list here. But, Hold uh, on. Mel- Melissa Hart. Joe Gale, Republican from Montgomery County, so he's, Philadelphia. He's, yeah, and that's Bob Asher's territory. People who are into politics would understand that. Melissa Hart's Western PA. They only have Jake G- Corman, Center, Center, Center County. County. So he's he's West. He could be in there. Charlie Gros, what? Mechanicsburg, Philadelphia. And uh, Nietzsche Zama is the Poconos. Yeah, and, and Jason Ritchie uh, is not even on the list, but he's uh, from Western Pennsylvania he's also. Out. Yeah, he's yeah, out. Yeah, but uh, no, it, it's interesting to see how that will. But again, looking at numbers, those two undecided, that's that's your vote right there. And why is that many people undecided? None of these candidates. Well, they haven't are, heard them yet. I mean, well, they're just now doing their PCN interviews. Well, a few have been on WKOK, but most on, of them don't want to be. On, remember one thing people talk about Governor Wolf's ineptness. His ineptness is in leadership and governing, but he knew how to get elected from the standpoint is he put he put the money, he rolled the dice early and put his money there, got name recognition, and then the other Democrats, the uh, some of them were off to jail and, and had to drop out. But the, he, he got out of the blocks early, and nobody could catch him. Who was lieutenant governor when Bill Scranton was governor? Is that what you're asking us in recent years? When uh, uh, our governor went to Homeland Security? Oh, no, no. That was Mark Schweiker. Okay. Replaced Ridge. He was okay. with Ridge. Okay. But, but again, he wasn't an elected uh, governor. For, he was from Philadelphia area. But, no, you look at the Repub- elected Republican governors were, were west. All right, one eight hundred one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five one away on this politics. Feel free to. Uh, they also added in here President Joe Biden's job approval rating in Pennsylvania is forty seven percent in Pennsylvania, while fifty percent disapprove of the job he's doing. Biden received fifty percent of the Pennsylvania vote in the twenty twenty presidential election, flipping a state won by former President Trump in twenty sixteen. What do pres- what do Pennsylvania voters think of President Biden? Biden has seventy seven percent approval. 
approval among Democrats, while 84% of Republicans and 67% of independents disapprove of the job he is doing as president. So he's <laughs> well, how's he doing in Scranton? I mean, <laughs> oh, he left well. Scranton when he was 10 years old, but you think he, you know, he still lives there. So. Still there. Well, so he how's and, he doing in Scranton? He and Vice President Clinton go there all the time. So you know, She was there for a cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, president. Oh, yeah. This is this is we're done with the polling story. Now we're on to President Biden. President Biden is dipping into the country's oil reserves to help bring down the price of gas. The government will free up one million barrels per day from the emergency stockpile to help bring prices down a bit. But some experts say that will work only for a week or two until lower prices trigger more demand, at which time the price will go back up. So and, uh, better off. Well, we have. He's the president says we can do this for ten years. We can release a million barrels from our reserves for ten years per day, and we still will have some left over. Okay. So, what, what's some? So, so if you well, take just a few a few gallons, not take much. Take a slice of bread out of your your the the bread basket for ten years. At some point, you're going to get down to what. Well, a lot of this is stored underground, so you can't you can't go down to the bottom third. When you get no. to the bottom third, it's like a sludgy well, they mix. To, they have to re rework this. They, they, they do some things, but the private there's a lot of private storage too. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. We'll take our first break of this hour, but we got open phones. We can talk about the topics of your selection. Uh, we have talked about the latest uh, gubernatorial poll. Maybe you have a preference in the governor's race. I don't think Doug Mastriano will get any more support other than that. He probably could have gotten about a third of the support if in the primary, if there weren't so many other candidates. But there's a lot of good candidates. But I still think he'll come away the nominee. There's a lot of candidates. Well, that's true. But uh, <laughs> you know, I think that all. The President Trump's good is are defined by him. good is defined by people who are backing them. So you, you'd hope there'd be some. If there was so many good, and I'm not saying all those people are, are most of them I, I do know are are, are good. Folks, They're good people. But that forty <laughs> some percent, well, we is got our Dave White sign over yeah, there. Something's our, not good enough. Our Charlie Garo bumper sticker. Yeah. We ate our Charlie Garo chocolate. Yeah, we've, we've heard from Nietzsche Zama. Yeah. And Jake Corman called. He says he's going to Trump. But he Marco, wants to stop by. Anybody who's putting their name on a ballot. I don't care if you're school board, you're you're doing. Everyone puts their name on the ballot, thumbs up, because at least you're you're taking part in democracy. I mean, you're you're out there, Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever you want to be. You know, if you're taking part in an election, good for you. Well, yeah, congratulations. When I saw the uh, candidates on PCN, uh, they had a Republican uh, discussion with industry members in and around Erie, I believe it was, manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Fabulous conversation. I mean, a, a lot of it is was, you know, just hanging on oh, to the Mark. coattails of President Trump and saying how bad the Democrats yeah. were. So I, I get that. But a lot of good ideas, a lot of ideas reducing, uh, you know, some of the freebies that we give away in Pennsylvania, lower, trying to make Pennsylvania, getting the broadband actually completed. Mm-hmm. We heard that from our previous guests. Uh, Pennsylvania is an untapped resource right now. What we could do in manufacturing and business that would just help this state, we just got to get out of our way, get some regulations uh, out of the way, let, let Pennsylvanians make Pennsylvania better. 
1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com. You can text us at 70236. Why are we still enjoying the great resignation? We are creating a lot of new jobs in the U.S., about 100,000 brand new jobs. The 300,000 or so was restored jobs that we lost in 2020, but about 100,000 were brand new jobs, and about a third of them were people who left the workforce so they could do a startup. So they'll be gone in a couple of weeks or That's so. That's good, though, Mark. That yeah. means the market is, is there it's for supporting the competition. It. That's a good increase. But look how many business could, businesses could expand right now, take advantage of an opportunity if they could get the labor. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's some businesses... Or the parts that. or the supplies well, or whatever. Well, that too, but just the labor... To or they could afford the, the pieces. You know, inflation's hitting everybody. What, what's right. happening is cost of employment. Very interesting topic. If you look at the cost of employment to employers... 1-800-795-9565. The jobless numbers, the broadband conversation, uh, the great resignation, the uh, state poll and politics in Pennsylvania. Call us now. Your view on these topics, 1-800-795-9565. I've got a great email here from Doug related to the Hunter Biden laptop. CBS just ran another story mm. about that. So there, they, every, But the media has found the laptop. Everybody's right. getting on board. <laughs> right. Well, I guess the New York Times got the ball rolling when they went through that, uh, what was it a criminal complaint or yes. an evidentiary Couple weeks ago. statement? Right, and now Found the major media is trying to hold this snowball back, but I think it's going to roll over. Well, I, I think uh, the um, major media has realized that if you are still have your wagon attached to President Biden, or if you still are helping keep the curtain closed on Hunter Biden, <laughs> you are going to be in the dark very shortly. Well, the, the Democrats have uh, looked at Biden now as expendable. One eight, and oh, they're looking at him, sorry. so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. The media realizes this, and they have to circle the wagons, because uh, this midterm's <laughs> going to be tough, and then we'll see. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I think I, you say uh, Biden's nine lives. Uh, his political nine lives might be at 9.5. Yeah, I think so, too. All right. To be continued, 1-800-795-9565. We do have three good emails. We'll sift through those. Uh, four, actually. Four good emails. Mm-hmm. So we'll sift through those. But we'd love for you to call us, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarket.com and text us at 70236. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Kind of pain. You, 
you were talking. Mark, Mark's giving me a look like he's completely confused. Yeah, but you, were t- you, you guys were talking about people coming back to Pennsylvania ah, to carpet bag. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going home. Good. Yeah, that's an accusation. Always hurts in the campaign. Never hurts at the ballot box. So we'll see. Seems to be here. Yeah. Um, and, and again, define carpet bagging anymore. <laughs> well, and it doesn't matter. I think if you're Doug Mastriano, you know you're voting for him because he's who he is. He says he is, and mm-hmm. he's got oh, no, he, pretty uh, close to the president. If you're voting for McCormick, he is who he is. Of course, he's a big uh, President Trump McCormick supporter. Wears also, his on his sleeves. Same with Doctor Oz. You know, um, yeah. Joe McGranahan's in love with Doctor Oz. He he couldn't care less if he still lived in New. Jersey. He'd still vote for him. All right, 1-800-795-9565. We've got open phones. Uh, Cindy, thanks for calling in. You're on the mark. Good morning, gentlemen. Don't, don't I correctly recall that Mrs. Clinton went to New York as a carpetbagger, got elected as a senator from New mm-hmm. York? And yeah. she was a Did she have bagger? any, and she didn't have any ties at all whatsoever there. At least Dave McCormick yeah. says, hey, I grew up here. Well, at least the Kennedys oh. had a had a cabin or a house in New York that Bobby Kennedy, because <laughs> Bobby Kennedy was a U.S. senator from New York. Well, that's not what I called. I called about something that really caught my eye this, today, looking at the Pennsylvania news, was that uh, the Westchester School District had five of its school board members removed. And how were they removed? Well, a, a group of ten citizens put in a petition to the uh, Common Pleas Court complaining about their performance, the school board members' performance, and the school board members failed to respond to the petition, and the judge then filed, fined against them, found against them, and removed them from office. How about that? And, there, and I mean, I hadn't been aware of this, but it's in the school code. Unfortunately, it should also, in my opinion, be present in the electoral code. We should be able to remove people who aren't doing their job to our satisfaction. Uh, understandably, they don't like to put laws in place that uh, put themselves at risk for their behavior. But I say, wow. And there are four other school districts in Chester County who have also have these petitions against their school board I hope they're smart enough to get up, get a going and respond. Now, I'll tell you one thing that disturbs me is the school district is using its resources to defend these now displaced school board members, and I don't think they should do that. This is an elected position, and it's up to you to defend yourself at your expense, not at the taxpayer's expense, that you for why you didn't um, respond to this petition. I don't know. I think once they're duly elected, I think it's up to the district to support them. Under what circumstances, Ben, would you think a district should support people that folks want to oust? Uh, The district should support when it sounds like somebody did not understand the law and and what needed to be done. So your solicitor or the school board uh, legal group would file for these uh, voters or these uh, board members. So I, well, yeah, I think the school has an obligation. If, if you're a volunteer to an organization, I would hope there would be some uh, backing of you by the once organization. You yeah. Once you make it. Yeah. But, uh, but again, somebody must have thought this was frivolous, and they showed how frivolous it is not. Right. Right. It is not. And it's interesting to know that at any level in Pennsylvania government, the citizens have the power to remove people who aren't doing their job correctly. Right. I think that's an important thing for people to realize. Does that include Obviously, judges? it caught these people off guard, which I kind of find amusing. Um, you'd think at least if you got this notice, you'd look into it. You wouldn't just putz around. You only have 20 days to respond. So 
clearly somewhere in there there was uh, a failure I'll be to in uh, Westchester on business next week and I'll talk to <laughs> two see. of uh, our clients to see how how much what happened and how much they know interesting well this is interesting because Downingtown yeah I'll Great Valley mm-hmm. Tradifferent did I say that right Tradifferent yeah. Tradifferent you were right the first time Okay. <laughs> and Coatesville also all have petitions to remove their school board members pending. So well, I think obviously people are informed about this process in Chester County. Too bad the rest of us didn't aren't better informed. But now, you know, as this information comes out, um, I think that's good to know. Uh, the other day someone was talking to me about they wished that we had recall. For example, I don't think it's called recall, but, you know, in England, if people get angry enough at the uh, ruling group, including the prime minister, they can just displace them. You don't have to wait four years or three years or six years to vote them out. You can just remove them. And how they thought that we would benefit from such a structure, I agree. And the reason I agree is because once these politicians get in office, they seem to believe that they've been elected God, that they can just unilaterally act. And we have put in place that situation. We have no way to hold them accountable until an election two, four, or six years later. Oh, that's silly. This is a much faster moving time, and they should be mindful of the fact that they could be removed. I believe if we had such a recall for the president that Mr. Biden would no longer be the president. Well, I would say the political folks, at least there is a chance. The part of government that has become bloated and inefficient is the bureaucracy. Those people are godlike because they can't be removed unless a small meteorite hits the Pacific Ocean. I mean, it's that you, you try to fire a government employee. Good luck. And the the I people agree. on the Westchester board were let go for not responding to the petition, correct? Not anything related to an actual position on issues, just for not responding at all? Did I, uh, right. The judge okay. found against them because they failed to respond. You had so many days, twenty up to 20 days, gotcha. to respond to the petition against you, and they failed to respond, and so that's why they lost. Got so, it. no, it's not about the issue. It's about their failure to respond. Yeah, but what is, what is the issue, though? I mean, they're, they're masking. The enforcement. Was masking it masking? Of okay, so that was the problem. Well, yeah, the inquiries all over. I, I think I think those school districts all border each other. If I if I'm yeah. remembering down right, so so mm-hmm. there, so there's something in the water down there that the uh, parents are uh, taking it to the it's school board, which the is the whole nation. There. It's everybody in the nation. It's the great take back of schools. You know, for years school boards have been running with parents paying very little attention to yeah. what was going on, and now parents yeah. have said, "Holy smokes! Look how far they've gone on their own. We've got to pay attention and have some input." So it seems like a a conservative pushback or some conservative backlash. It's not. It's just the this, this slow re-monitoring of what's going on in school boards altogether. There's liberals that are monitoring, too, and aren't happy about what's seeing. I, I don't think it's a big conservative take-back. That may be getting all the headlines, and they might get where the photographer or the videographer shows them shouting in the back room or back row <laughs> of the school board meeting, but I, I think it's it's universal. Parents, they, sending your kid home and teaching them what you thought was ideal for a couple months, then sending them back to school and find out they're not anywhere even remotely close to the pages That's you were right. on. People, <laughs> public education. It's All right, Cindy, we'll give you the last word. Go right ahead. Well, I think this reflects a confusion that needs clarification. Does the school board and the school, are they responsible 
to the community or are they the drivers of what goes on and the community must accept what it, I think. And then you see that tension in all these other things, like what we were discussing yesterday. Right. Who's, who's in charge? Did I hire the school board members or are they uh, inherently in charge of me and what goes on? And I think that's a, a, an interesting question, not only in schools, but in all of government. Who's actually in charge? I say it's the electors, the voters. We are the people who are in charge. We're the boss. We elected you. In, uh, I was very disturbed once when Senator Specter said that we should, he believed that um, elected people should substitute their wisdom for what the public wanted. All right. It's a famous quote from a guy named Burke, and I've just kind of butchered it, but I don't agree with that. You were elected. You claimed you represented what we wanted, and this is what we want. We didn't elect you to just go hither and yawn and crazy once you got in power. All right, we got Thank to thank you. you so much, Cindy. Really, really appreciate it. One email before we take the break. Uh, one of our listeners, Doug, says, Imagine, if you will, that the laptop belonging to Eric Trump and Donald Trump had his fingerprints all over the scandal. If that were the case, would it barely be mentioned in the news that as it is now? We all know it would be wall-to-wall coverage if that laptop had belonged to the Trumps. In fact, it would have been all over the news before the election and action would have been taken to have Trump impeached again. It's uh, being called the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, but the fact is the man who thinks he is president is neck deep in this thing. He received a percentage of Hunter's pay. His bills were paid with his money, and he had a key to Hunter's office. And of course, Hunter would have never had this opportunity to be paid by foreign countries if it weren't for his dad being heavily involved. If you're ignorant enough to believe that Joe doesn't have his fingers involved in this thing, then you probably have to believe he received the most votes out of any president in history. Says Doug. Well, Thank you for that. There's a little quote you can look at this. So it's the Joe Biden scandal, the Hunter Biden laptop, but it goes back to the Clinton scenario with uh, Monica Lewinsky, and they referred to it as the Mono- Monica Lewinsky scandal instead of the Bill Clinton scandal, and that was the media spin on it back then. So the scandal was with this young intern instead of with the President of the United States, which, again, we're seeing it here. And that is how parts of the media play. And if you can spin it that way, Mark, your PR people can spin it that way, that's what you want to do. All right, 1-800-795-9565. We'll be right back. Thank you so much. Good Beach Boys. We'll take it. Uh, 1-800-795-9565. One of our good listeners says, Hunter, 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 can't wait till this blows up in all your faces on worker shortage. Think baby boomers. Many retiring or dying with only a small group to replace them. Well, that's one factor, Tom, to be sure. But uh, there are pre-baby boomers and post-baby boomers that are very interested in just Mm. doing less if they can somehow get by, relying on their spouse's medical expenses and... And not working. We know tons of folks that just decided not to work while their spouse presses on. Uh, I think it is blowing up in somebody's face. <laughs> well, Hunter's having a problem. It's like the old Mission Impossible laptop. Yes. You open it up and it's yes. self-destruct. Tom, go ahead. Thanks for waiting. Sorry about all that wait. That's quite all right. Good morning, guys. Uh, remember when uh, Trump was under all kind of investigations and the Democrats and the liberal media were questioning whether if, if and when he's either charged or convicted, he can uh, pardon himself. Well, I don't think that question was ever answered, but 
if it's true that the president can do that, bottom line is, as soon as there's even a smell of indictment, I think, or uh, at least a, a, a trial scheduled, you know, it sounds like Biden can pardon his whole family and anyone himself who are involved. And unless he's impeached before all that happens, I just think that's going to happen, and I'm pretty pessimistic about these investigations. Well, and can, I, can you not uh, pardon based on just a blanket pardon? You don't even have to be charged. Just be investigated, right. and you can that's, just say, okay. What to you. Can you be? Does the Constitution allow that power to the president? I don't think it, it, it's never been done, so there's no, obviously, history, you know, to go on. But uh, here we are, and it's, my, my, it's certainly Biden will do that if he's alive and and well, and in that seat. Well, you you probably uh, maybe you get a uh, pardon credit card, and you have so many pardons on on that. So we'll see what happens. But it's it's yeah, we just had an email blowing up in the face. It's blowing up, and it's blowing up in the media's faces too, because the media's complicit. The last email we read about that, I mean, that was a year ago. The, you know, the Hunter book has been out. The New York Post story, they got taken off of uh, uh, social media. And, and some people say, well, those are private companies. Well, so is the so is Sheets Gas. If you pulled in and Sheets wouldn't let you fill up uh, your car, they only let trucks fill up because they buy more. Is that logical? Is well, that if that's legal? part of their terms of service, well, you'd have to comply. And, and that is. But what happens is we've seen the media, social media, their their terms of service are basically paper thin. It's right. Swiss cheese. So it's interesting how uh, what you're what you're talking about. How how will pardons affect the Biden administration? Thank you, Tom. All right. Well, one more comment, if I can. Yep. I mean, obviously, you saw no one has discredited this gentleman, Tony Bobolinsky, who says he has firsthand knowledge of everything that went on, and that the big guy is Joe, and that he used his influence. You know, to gain monetary for monetary gain for him and his family. All right, and uh, to me, that certainly compromises of even till now, Biden. All right, thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate it. Thank you, thank and you, this thank you, sir. Information is a year and a half old. One of our listeners sends us a CNN clipping that's from today. Says the mystery of the seven-hour gap has fueled speculation as to why calls are missing. That includes allegation that maybe President Trump was using burner phones. Mm-hmm. He claims he does not know what a burner phone is, but others say he has used that term in the past. Regardless, according to multiple sources, they say when President Trump was in the Oval Office, he typically used his cellular telephones or just direct dialed individuals and did not use the switchboard, but when he was in the residence, he typically used the switchboard uh, through which to place calls. That may explain the seven-hour gap. If he spent much or all of the time in the Oval Office, he may have been either using a cell phone or direct dialing individuals that he wished to reach outside the White House. So that's from CNN Today. So more speculation. Uh, Stan, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. Isn't it wonderful the way the news media has become mind readers over the years? You know, they're trying to yell. I think that's a human condition. When things like uh, the the Hunter Biden laptop comes out, they they can't read any minds. You know, it's just amazing the way that works. But Doug's email is 100% correct. If it was on the other foot and it was Don Jr. or Eric Trump, you know, that had done those things when Trump was in office, they would have been 24-7, wall-to-wall, nothing but Trump's a crook. And they, they did that anyways with the lies from the Hillary campaign that she's being fined for from the FEC, was it, Federal Election Commission, 
for lying in her filings about where the money that the campaign spent. She's being her and the DNC are both being fined for that to the tune of a hundred and some thousand. Yeah, and that story's that story's not getting a lot of light. I mean, it's getting some, but it's not being covered. You're not going to see that on ABC, NBC, CBS. And what did that money go for, Stan? It went to pay for the, the fake dossier. <laughs> the PP That's dossier. what it went for. The steel dossier. And, 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 they, the and, and because dossier. they funneled it through uh, uh, Mark Elias's law firm. Yeah, the law firm in Perky, D.C. Perky, per, Perkins Coey mm-hmm. law firm. Yep. So, you know, it was it was a cover-up, and, and she's corrupt as all, all get out. But anyways, that's not why I called. You know, they were talking today, this morning, about broadband in the area. Okay? I've checked into Sky Packet, which is one of the services around here, which I can't get. I built a new shop out by my house, and I want internet for in that. I can't get it. And they came out and checked because they have no service out there. Hmm. But comparing the prices to what they offer seems a little steep. What I did end up getting is T-Mobile has a system. They call it home internet. Okay. Now, I know if I was in a better location, I'd get a lot better service. But I still get two to three, maybe four, depends on time of day, four times the download speeds that I was getting with the DSL through Verizon okay. for $50 a month. So, but Sky Packet is starts at sixty five, goes to a hundred dollars a month. There's, you know, contract fees and there's early cancellation fees and all kinds of stuff. My my question though is, all this broadband stuff is being paid for or subsidized by the federal government, correct? Well, much is, yeah. To up, uh, up until a couple of years ago, it wasn't, but now it is. Well, the Sky Packet thing, my understanding, is part of that. Okay, system. there it could be. But anyways, when Will the taxpayers be given some money back for the profits that they make on this system? They've, they've been financing it because I heard from what, well, how did he put it? From uh, eh, money from the federal government, grants, grants from the federal government mm-hmm. to build out the broadband system, okay? So the U.S. taxpayers are paying for this. Same thing with the electric vehicle charging stations that we're going to put all across the country along our major highways. When is the taxpayer going to be getting the proceeds from the profits? Because there's going to be profits. Well, sometimes the federal government just does good things to advance good science. <laughs> yeah, the electric, well, look at the rural co-ops for right. electricity. Yeah, we never got our money back from that. But, uh, no, uh, the infrastructure. So the, the question would be, is it low-interest loans? Is it grants? And that does have, uh, you know, that, that's some Sloans. gray area. What's a Sloan? No, we got low-interest loans. Oh, okay. And then you got uh, grants. Who knew? And do loans be... Come grants and under this infrastructure programs and some of this COVID stuff, uh, their forgiveness is in there. Right. Strange and, thing, and, though, Stan, is when you give in, government always the way it is. Low interest lo- loans, I don't necessarily have a problem with as long as they're paid back. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what happened during Obama administration in the Solyndra nightmare with the solar? They got how many millions of dollars and went belly up. Not a penny was ever paid back to the taxpayers, but those people got their money. All right, and this, you. you know, this kind of stuff goes on all the time, and the taxpayers take it into shorts and have to pay it all back eventually. <laughs> okay. Actually, we won't be paying it back. Hold on. It's our kids and grandkids are going to be paying it back. All right, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you very much for calling in. Have a good one. Yep, you too, buddy. Very much appreciated. Congratulations on the new shop. That yeah, is the new best shop. news. Well, we well, don't. Should, want, should we he don't. call Drive and see if he can get a low interest loan or a grant to? 
because he's a business. <laughs> well, he probably could. Yeah, call Jennifer Wakeman. He'll get her hooked up at Drive. They're trying to get rural broadband to, to everybody. One of our listeners says, if Hunter Biden lived in the Ukraine and made his money there, why is that anybody's business about his income in the U.S.? He's being investigated for his taxes. Well, he is being investigated by the IRS. We're not reporting all the income. If you live in the U.S., you do have to report income. He's being investigated for uh, shady lobbying practices that relate <laughs> to his direct influence with the president. What else? There's one other major aspect things that are the laptop relates to bad lobbying and reporting of you know your lobbying practices and being a foreign agent and not registering yeah. well, not chi- registering yeah, it's the chinese money and it's the ukrainian money and yeah so he's and being the russian money from uh, justice from department fbi and irs are investigating hunter not just the irs all right one and, uh, and uh, okay well, i got to take the break and we got two callers waiting they'll be the last two callers of the week we will be right back There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Rebecca Black, baby. All right. No baby sharks, Kevin. You say you can't treat an old dog new trick. Uh, Would you like an F-150? I got it here. Don't just get one, get two. Six to eight weeks. How about an edge? Edges are excellent. There's going to be one on the next truck. Escape. Next truck. Mm -hmm. Echo. Two to four weeks. Expedition. Next year, buddy, which will be July. Mm -hmm. Explorer. We can get you one of those. F-150, there's a new truck with a half a dozen coming. Rangers, we can get you one of them. Maverick, that'll be July. Full-size Bronco, July. Uh, Bronco Sport in the next truck. A electric Mustang, that'll be July. But the Mustang, or I'm sorry, the Mustang Mach-E is July. But the uh, gasoline Mustang, there's you can get one of those Mercy coming up. on taking their trucks out, picking these things up, bringing them back. Can't get these vehicles anywhere else. Uh, two to four week is the average weight. Six to eight is the length. Lengthy weight if you have a very specific vehicle, but the Ford Motor Company and Sunbury Motors get along so the Sunbury Motor Company's got the allocation so they can get you the vehicle you want, the price you demand, the trade-in is just ridiculously high. They gave me $35,000 for my old Ranger, which is uh, about 10000 less than we paid for it. So they probably it gave you 34000 for the chips in it so you could take them <laughs> well, out that's and put true. it in Harvest them. Hook them all together and make it work put for the new Put it in a Petri truck. dish and grow some. But the Sunbury Motor Company, that's the kind of imagination they use, they will hook you up and make sure that you're a happy customer. Hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. have gone before you and are still smiling. SunburyMotors.com that's the sponsor of On The Mark. Alright, Mike, you get three minutes and then Cindy gets one minute. 
Okay. Hey, uh, Joe Biden made the big announcement he was going to draw down our strategic petroleum reserves, which were put into place to protect our economy after the Arab oil uh, embargo back in the 70s. So right now, we are at 81% storage capacity, and with his plan, he's going to draw it down to 50%, which is only half, okay? And, you know, the lower that oil in the ground gets, the harder it is and the slower it comes out if we really, really need it. It was designed to protect our economy, and I believe he is doing the exact opposite thing. He's endangering our economy in order to gain a few political points. Uh, you know, the narrative is that he's doing something to lower the price of gas. Well, I don't know about that. All as I know, if the pra- if gas gets uh, lower, my wife and I will probably stop combining trips and using our individual cars more often when we go in opposite directions. But anyway, and, that, and that's not even the worst part. He is allowing more ethanol to be sold for summer use to help lower the price. Well, help me, what is ethanol made of? What's one of the major components of ethanol? Sorry. Corn? Yes, yeah, some of it comes corn. from corn. Corn. And aren't we uh, facing rot, you know, rising food prices and threats of uh, shortages due to the war in Ukraine? And he is wanting to increase ethanol sales to go against our other rules? I, I just don't get it. He, in my mind, and you can call me a Trump pansy, he is willing to try to score a few extra political points for the November election by lowering the gas price a couple of pennies and putting our country in danger. And that's how I see it. Well, right. the other gotcha. part is that the oil, you're going to replace that oil, that 31%. The price of the oil when it went in is going, not going to be close to what it's going to be to replace it. So we're going to spend more money to put those reserves back in. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Excellent point. We'll take this topic up Monday. How's that sound? Okay. Sounds great. Take care now, man. Yep, really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. All right, Cindy, you get 60 seconds. Go right ahead. $500 million. That's what Obama gave Solyndra. $500 Holy million. smoke. That's a lot of money. Even that, that especially is, then. What that could have done in schools and hospitals could have lowered the price of a drug like insulin. I mean, the things they could have done, but instead it went into the pockets of these people at Solyndra. $500 million to one business that failed within six months. $500 million. How bad do you have to be to fail with somebody gives you a $500 million boost? Well, I think it was theft. It was a, a conspiracy of theft. The company yeah. had been rejected by the Bush administration. Obama came in and got, you know, bills passed and promptly gave them $500 million. All right, Payback. we got you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Sorry, I appreciate that. Many of the businesses that received the same levels of funding and the same genre of funding did succeed, but not Solyndra. So Interesting. nobody went to jail there. Look at Russia. Russia wants to sell oil, but they want you to pay them in rubles. And look what's going on in Saudi Arabia. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next weeks there. We'll take it up on Monday. Thank you, sir. Yep, have a good weekend. Very much appreciated. Are you a Duke guy like everybody else around here? Uh, I think it's going to be a great Final Four. Go Nova. Okay, yeah, I agree 100%. You're listening to WKOK Sunbury.